A lot of folks have asked me, they saw the serious card fit, being healthy, being healthy in your relationship with God, uh, being healthy in the, in, with, with yourself. And a lot of people say, what is that? What does that mean? Well, you're going to find out. All right. Um, last week, of course, we started this series talking about being healthy in, in, in your relationship with God and what that means and what's involved with that. Um, and as I said then, and I'll say it each time, God's in all of these messages because it's all about being fit. And the one we're going to talk about today with self, it's very much some God stuff that has to happen for that to hap- for that fitness to happen in your life. I'll explain. I want to start off, it's always a good thing to start off with, um, if not the Bible, then Socrates, okay? So we'll start off with some Socrates, no doubt, probably at least the last part of this quote, one that is uh, one of the most quoted Socrates quote. Um, it is the greatest good for an individual to discuss virtue every day, for the unexamined life is not worth living. And that's what we're going to talk about, just for a few moments here. The, the, unex, the, the, the examined, excuse me, the examined life, and what that means. Because other than knowing God, continual self-awareness, I believe, ranks near the top of uh, the most important things in life. And yet it's one of the most difficult things to do. And it's, 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 it's the key, I believe, to lasting relationships. It's the key to fulfilling relationships and fulfillment itself. But, I mean, you could make an argument that a couple could stay together for years and years and years and not be self-aware and they're both so dysfunctional that, and, and so forth. But, and, you, and that happens, but that's not healthy. And uh, we would prefer that not to happen, certainly. That's not the way God wants you to live. Um, and the thing about self-awareness is it is often... A painful, painful, unending process. Um, But yet it's the single most productive thing that we can do, or at least one of the single most productive things that we can do. So here's what we need to do, first of all, because we need to get on the same page on what definitions are and, you know, what do I mean by self-awareness and am I using using the term as they would in pop psychology, the more popular psychology today? Am I using it that way and so forth? So let's let's define it. Online dictionary, Merriam-Webster, defines self-awareness as a noun, and here it is, an awareness of one's own personality or individuality. It's a good definition. However, we could work with that. Um, For our purposes here, I'm not changing the meaning of the word except for our purposes, just communication purposes now. In my dictionary, the word is not only a noun, the way I'm going to be using it, okay? It's not only a noun, but it's also a verb because it's going to to take some action. We're going to show action here. So you need to understand, when I talk about self-awareness, I'm talking about an active thing, something that's taking action, something you have to do, all right? And it's it's an action. And so here's my definition. Certainly, I would go with Webster, awareness of one's personality and individuality. Plus, I would add, it's self-examination on steroids, okay? I mean, it's just really super intense self-examination because what we're going to do is we need to reflect, we need to discover, and then we need to act. And that's where, or in some cases, stop acting, stop doing some things. So let's, let's just go there with that. And... Um, um, and stop for a moment when you think about this, because this is something that can be very simple and silly and, and, and annoying, but, but not necessarily anything more than that. Or it can be something that's silly maybe and annoying, but also deep-seated with some very difficult issues that go along with it. I'll explain. But before I do, 
This is just a great line. I wasted this line at 9 o'clock because they didn't get it because they're about half awake. And I told them, I said, if they don't shape up, uh, I'm not going to use my best stuff on you. I'm going to give you my second-rate stuff. I'm going to save it for those folks at, at 10, 15, and 11, 30. Um, I did tell them that, actually. And, uh, but, so then it got better. Um, this line was inspired as I was on an elliptical machine yes, last night um, watching Boston score three touchdowns against uh, the, the, my Yankees. What is that all about? I'm sorry. I, I, interjection. I, I, what is that all about? When Tory was here, that didn't happen. Anyway, a uh, little editorial comment there. Um, the lack of self-awareness causes bad breath, B.O., bad odor, boorish behavior, and all too often the reaction is, what are they thinking? Isn't that true? You see somebody who's just totally unaware of what's going on around them. Totally, no, no self-awareness whatsoever. And you're like, what are they thinking? I have the answer for you. They're not, you know? And that's the issue here that we have to stop and really think through. And obviously, we've all been there. And that's the issue here. We've all been there in some, in some ways. But I want to take it more than that. You know, I was thinking, I don't know why. I've never shared this story in public before. It's kind of embarrassing, even though it happened a long time ago. Um, but it, it's one of those things that hits you. You start thinking about moments in your own life that you were not self-aware at all, in my own situation. It was, um, and I, I don't like telling a story, and that's why I've never done it, because it kind of reflects on my mother and my dad a little bit, but it really, it's really not them. I'm sure my mother taught me these things, and I didn't listen. I'm sure that's what happened. But I remember when I was like 19 or 20, and Charlene and I had been dating for uh, less than a year, and I was taking her home. Uh, we, were at a air, going, we went to Atlanta to get the plane, uh, take a plane back to Ohio, where my family lived, and um, um, so you've you got to understand, this is what's going on. Because Here's the thing. When you look at me, I know what most of you think. Most of you think, well, you know, he's a very sophisticated, debonair kind of guy. And, and he knows which fork to use when he goes to a nice dinner and stuff like that. And I do. But it's been a lot, it's, it's been a lot of pain. It's been a, lot of, it's been a process. So anyway, it hadn't always been that way. So here, here we are. We go to Atlanta. We've we, we got time before we get to our flights. So we go, we're going to go eat dinner. And, and, and this is, keep in mind where this is. This is the stage, not yet dating a year, getting a little serious. You really like each other a lot. You're really starting to think about, you know, there might be more here uh, in terms of, you know, marriage maybe, engagement or whatever. So, you know, I'm still trying to impress, obviously. I mean, I, I still try to impress, but it's different. But anyway, we go to this restaurant, and they have barbecue ribs. I'm, I'm not turning down barbecue ribs, you know, um, it's not a good thing to do, though, because here's what happens. I mean, they were great ribs, and I'm sitting here. I'm not just, I'm not just licking my fingers. I'm, I'm slurping my fingers, okay? You know, and I'm, I'm totally unaware that this isn't really... I mean, I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal? It's ribs, you know? And uh, Charlene's kind of looking, you know, I, at the, I didn't know it at the time. It was later that all this would come out. She's looking a little shell-shocked. She's like, what in the heck have I gotten myself into, you know? So I'm slurping my fingers, got barbecue sauce on my face, but it's barbecue sauce. What the heck? It's ribs. She was being very polite. Here, why don't you use your napkin? You know, just very proper. She's a southern belle, very proper and very, you know. Um, it was just uh, about a year or so later, it finally came out. And she says, you know, that was just, I almost walked out right then. And, uh, I'm exaggerating only a little bit. Um, totally unaware of my environment, of what's going on or anything else. That happens. So what do we do with that? See, here's the issue. 
honest, true self-awareness is very scarce. It's very scarce in our culture, especially. But more than being sloppy and getting barbecue sauce on our face and looking stupid-looking and slurping our fingers, more than that, people who aren't self-aware sometimes hurt people without even knowing it. Sometimes families break up. Sometimes isolation, loneliness sets in. And, and dysfunctional coping methods begin to be the rule of life. And, and people never, never come to grips with that. And, and my point is this, it is very, very unhealthy. And God doesn't want you to live that way. Worse than that, don't miss this, worse than that, the lack of self-awareness and the self-examination muddies up a person's connection with God in countless ways because there's a lack of honesty, there's a lack of openness, there's, there's, a, there's a lack of awareness of my needs that I need to bring to Christ. I don't, there's a lack of total understanding that I'm a broken person living in a broken world and I desperately need Jesus. They don't, they don't get to that point because they're so, so <clears throat> there's no self-awareness there. There's no investigation. There's no self-examination <clears throat> excuse me, in that person's life. And, and that's, that's where it really becomes a problem. It becomes a terrible problem when it starts messing with people's own relationship with Christ and God, and they don't even get to that far. Let me show you what Augustine said, or, August, August, or Augustine, depending on how you pronounce it. Augustine. People travel to wonder at the height of the mountains, at the huge waves of the seas, at the long course of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motion of the stars, and yet they pass by themselves without wondering. Just so true. Well, God has a better way, and he shows us that in the Bible. I want to show you three very simple things, just real simple, staying self-aware. It's very, three very simple concepts. I've already said them. It's that to reflect, it's to discover, and then it's to act. It's to do something. Real simple. Um, so reflect. Let's think about that first. Reflect begins, and I'm going to give you another Socrates quote, although it's only two words. It's actually attributed to Socrates. Know thyself. By the way, since we're where we are and since you're who you are, Normally, I would just say that in a lot of places in the country, I would just say, know thyself. Socrates said that or something like that. But because I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, you know what, Rich? That's a great thought. But you know, really, that, that quote, uh, that actually predates Socrates, and it, and it was used as an inscription at the Oracle of Delphi, and it's a saying traditionally ascribed to one of the seven sages of the ancient, Greek, uh, ancient Greece, and accounts vary as to whom said it. Socrates himself is reported to have quoted it. That's what some of you are thinking right now. I can tell. <laughs> So I'm ahead of you. I got it, all right? It was attributed to Socrates, but he quoted it himself. Now that I've said that, I don't care about all that. Here's what I want you. I want you to get the concept down. We talk about reflecting. Know yourself. Know who you are. You can't do that yourself. You need some others. You need others around you to help. That's next Sunday. But more than that, you need God in your life because you're never going to be able to achieve self awareness or, or self-examination on steroids or anything else, if, if you don't have God in your life to help you reveal some things, because I know you, you're just like me, you're going to want to run high, you're going to want to cover up, you don't want to deal with it, 
You know, you're going to develop some, some, some ways of coping so you don't have to deal with some of the darker spots in, of your life. So know thyself. Look what, look what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy. He's sort of the senior pastor here talking to the junior pastor. I used to just, just, just I, would, I read Timothy over and over and over again because I, I was about the same age he was when Paul wrote this to him in his late 20s, early 30s. I still think of myself that way, by the way. But anyway, I still, I still read Timothy. Um, look what Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy. Watch this. Keep a close watch on how you live. Keep a close watch on how you live and, and, and on your teaching. So stay true to what is right. Not, so stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, that's just a, that, that, the, the King James reads that, uh, the way that it reads is, take heed to thyself. It's funny, I was reading this verse this week, and all of a sudden just hit me. I, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that, that had, and I remembered a book that I had read when I was st- uh, in school studying for the ministry um, in a pastoral theology class, and the book was called The Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter, 1700s. And um, I, 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 haven't, I haven't picked up his book. I, I probably, maybe once or twice, but it's been, it's been 30 years since I've seen that, you know. And uh, happened to find it in my library, which is a miracle of God right there. And um, I used to have it all organized, but I've given up on it. And, and I found that book, and I went to those two chapters, Take Heed to Thyself. And I remember it making such a strong impact on me then, and still has. That it's just been part of my, part of my DNA, I think, ever since. Know, know, know who you are. Take heed to yourself. You know, keep a close watch on how you live. And, and, and what you're teaching, and by the way, what you're teaching is more than what you just say. I've said many times here that the hardest lesson in, in parenthood is when your kids get older and they, they, you find out that many of the things you taught them, you never said. They just watched you. That's a, that's a very true concept, and it's not, a, not always a happy one. But uh, that should kind of give you some things to stop and think about. How are you doing with that? Keep a close watch on yourself. That means you've got to stop and think. And, you know, we, we hear about the 360s you do in some of your companies, and maybe you do kind of a 360 of yourself sometimes. How am I doing with this relationship? How am I doing with family? How am I doing at work? How am I doing at the club? How am I doing with this situation or these situations? Um, you need to do that. Not always easy to do, and it takes time, and none of us have it. But it's extremely beneficial. That's reflect. Reflect and discover. They, they go right hand in hand here. They kind of overlap each other. So let me just go into discover right now. I'll bounce back and forth a little bit. Let's talk about discover. Discover means to be determined to discover the difference. And this is, this is hugely important. Uh, discover the difference between those annoying, keyword, annoying blind spots, and the things that are downright sinfully destructive that might be in your life. And here's the thing, you know, it's one thing to say I'm not very self-aware and I go out with this woman and I'm trying to impress her and I got barbecue sauce all over my face and lick my fingers like an animal. Um, that's one thing. You know, it's annoying, maybe, maybe it's a little rude, maybe it's a little something else, but I'm not ready to put that yet in sinfully destructive behavior. And, um, but there are things that are. Let me give you a Meister Eckhart, German philosopher, German theologian, a mystic, 13th century. 
Um, he was um, charged with per- oh, I'm sorry. He was charged with heresy actually by Pope twenty two, I think, um, but I'm not positive. Um, anyway, um, he, uh, he by the way he didn't he, he never he never did get convicted of the charges of being a heretic. He defended himself and then he died. So we don't know if he died a heretic. He was a mystic, and I, I really don't think he was a heretic. But he had a lot of good things to say. And this is, this is 13th century literature, so you're going to have to stay with me on this. Just, it's just a couple lines, but it's worth it. Because I want you to think about this whole thing of discovering and, 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 and knowing yourself and figuring, you know, all this thing. Watch this. Eckhart. A human being has so many skins inside, covering the depths of the heart. We know so many things, but we don't know ourselves. Why, 30 or 40 skins or hides as thick and hard as the oxes or bears cover the soul. Go into your own ground. Learn to know yourself there. Do a 360 on your life, basically, he's saying. You know? Discover some of the things that I'm not even aware of that I've, I've come to live with my whole life or maybe a lot of years are really not very good and not very healthy. But I've come to settle for a level of mediocrity or less than mediocrity, and it's become, I've become so used to it, it becomes comfortable. And, and then I'm in, I'm, I'm in, and, and that's, I mean, I, I, I'm, I think I'm more aware of that now. And I, as I told you last week, I, I'm more aware in the last couple of weeks because of my glasses and going to the eye doctor, and all of a sudden I'm seeing people, you know, and, and I'm like, geez, they, you know, they're not fuzzy. They really, they really do look nice. And I'm more aware, you know, you can go for, and so this week, all week, I'm, I'm like, I'm going around after, I'm like, dang, I've been living like this, you know, for a lot of years. Wow. You know, and then I put my, I, 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 look what I, you get used to it. You don't think about it. You just deal with it, you know? And unfortunately, it's not just eyes that people do that with. It's, it's other habits and it's, it's other behavior patterns that, that, that are hurting them and others around them. And more importantly, it's, becoming, it's muddying up the water between, in their relationship with, with, with Christ. And it's hurting it in many different ways because they're settling for that. And what we're learning here is, you know, come on, stop and reflect, discover. Let me show you what David says. I'm going to quote David twice today. If you don't know me, I'll tell you right up front, other than Jesus, David's my favorite character in the Bible. I love David. If I'm a scholar of anything, I'm a scholar of David. Um, um, he was just an incredible, incredible human being, King David. He was a heart guy. He was a heart guy. He was very flawed. I mean, if you know anything at all about David, you know he was very flawed and had a little problem with women and, and murder and a few other little minor things like that. But I mean... <laughs> We all got our issues. I mean, you know. So, but he was. He. he but God said he was the only man that that, that. that God said this man has a heart after me for me. And I just love David. And, and look what David says. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. He was aware. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. God, how, how can I? I can't know this without you, God. I can't. He, he, David realizes that. I mean, you know, is that pop psychology? Well, if it started 600 or so years before Christ, there you go. This is, this, I mean, by the way, if you don't know this, best psychology book you'll ever read right here. 
All the, all, and I'm serious about that. I'm not making fun of psychology. I, I think psychology is very important to us, and I'm very thankful for it. But you know all the good psychological principles that even a person who may not even believe in God, m- most of those good psychological principles are found, are found in Scripture, like honesty, denial. You know? Isn't that amazing? It's right here. Anyway, I digress. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? God, I need you. I need you. Reflect. Discover. Now let's act. Or live. However you want to say it. All right, I'm going to do something different here. I'm going to, I'm going to give you two what I think are dynamic quotes from two different people. Um, but I'm going to tell you right up front, something's missing. Even though they're, I'm not dissing on the, on the comment, on the, on, the, on the quotes, they're just, they're great. But I want you to, I want you to see what's missing. Okay, watch this. this you'll, 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 I'll explain as we do this. Uh, my first one comes from my favorite senator, of course. And I always love saying that. And if you've come here very many times, you've heard me quote my favorite senator more than once. His name is Seneca. He was a Roman senator. Thought I was going to get political, didn't you? You're ready for me to drop a name on you. Anyway, listen, here's what Seneca, Senator Seneca said. And this is, a, this is a great exercise. We should every night call ourselves to an account. What infirmity have I mastered today? What passions opposed? What temptation resisted? What virtue acquired? Our vices will abort of themselves if they, if they be brought every day to the shrift. See, what's the shrift? It's a great word. It's like confessional. That's what he's saying. If I bring, if, if every, what he's basically saying is our vices will abort of themselves if they be brought every day to, to, to the confessional. You go to the confessional? Now, the Catholics teach, um, and we have several here in this church, that you should go to the confession. And a lot of people don't do it anymore, even those who are real devout Catholics. They teach us you should go every week, according to all. I didn't read that. That's what I hear from all my Catholic friends. Well, let me just tell you, that ain't even near enough for this guy, okay? Once a week? Are you kidding? How about once an hour? Um, And my confessional, my shrift, uh, might be my car. I'm driving. It might be, it might be an elliptical machine, or, 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 or when I'm working out. It might be, it might, that might be a confessional. It might be when I'm sitting down there. Many times it's been. Um, your confessional can be anywhere you want to talk to Christ, and ask Him for forgiveness, and ask Him to help you understand what you did, maybe that was wrong, and how you want to ask for His cleansing, even if, even if you don't understand it. And that, and, and so, so, so I would say to to, to, to Senator Seneca would be. That's such a great thought. What virtue acquired, you know, what passions about our vices will abort of themselves if they be brought every day to the... What if they're not? What if they're not? What if I'm not done away with every day when I go to the shrift, when I go to the confessional? Think about that for a moment. Now let's talk about a, a, a more of a modern day guy, a, a, actually a Pulitzer Prize playwright, August Wilson. Um, and uh, he, oh, this is just a great quote too. Watch this. Confront the dark parts of yourself. Oh, this is great. Confront the dark parts of yourself and work to banish them with illumination and forgiveness. Your willingness to wrestle with your demons will cause your angels to sing. Use the pain as fuel, as a reminder of your strength. That's, that's powerful stuff. But again, I would say to this phenomenal writer, okay, your willingness to wrestle with your demons will cause you... What if I'm not willing to wrestle with my demons? What if I don't know what my demons really are? 
What if, what, if I, what if I really don't have that illumination or that forgiveness? What if I don't really have that for myself? And I, don't, I don't see it. What, what if I don't have that? What do I do then? Well, we're going to go back to David. David took both of these concepts, beautifully put, in the Psalms. I love the Psalms, and I love all the things. I mean, you read the Psalms, you can just read David's heart. I mean, all the Psalms aren't written by David. You need, if you, most of your Bibles will, will denote who's written. But, but most are, I will say. Not all have, are written by David, but most are. And, um, um, and this particular one was... And David, David is doing the same thing. Think about this thing. Seneca says, you know, I, every day I got to bring my, my sins to the shrift, to the, to the confessional, wherever that is. Wilson is saying, you know, confront the dark parts of yourself. Be willing to work through with your demons and so forth. Here's what David says in the Bible. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. I, I don't always know my heart. Sometimes I think I do, but I don't always know it. I can fool myself. I can fool myself. I can lie to myself. I can rationalize. I might be the best rationalizer you ever met. Get me in the right situation. I can make something sound so good. I ought to be in politics. Um, I can make, you know, I can make it sound like we're cutting the budget here with $100,000, you know? Never mind. Um, I can make anything sound good to myself. And it may not be good. And you know what? I, I think most of us can do that. Most of us can do that. And that's what David says. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, I can't even, I can't, one Bible reads this, it's not search, but investigate me, oh God. I'm not even able sometimes to do a thorough examination of myself and that's why I need Jesus in my life to help me see it. And, 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 and as he says here, and point out anything, well, you're saying, does, does God really do that? Does God point out things? He does. You say, well, how does he do that? Do you hear voices? I haven't heard any voices yet, okay? Just so you know. But you know what? I do hear, and so do you, I believe, hear that still, small voice back there sometimes. This isn't a good situation to be in. You, you've gone too far. You said too much. You shouldn't have said that. You need, to ask, you need to ask that person to forgive. Well, here, act kindly in this situation instead of rudely. Still small voice that all of us have when we understand who God is. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path, the everlasting, the path of everlasting life. That's our prayer. Now, that's search me, O God, and know my heart. Will self-awareness give you a better life? It will. It really will. With, I mean, and let's, be, let's be real blunt here. If I'm self-aware and, and, and very conscious of that, and very, very conscientious, will my life be better? Will I, will I have friends and will things go better? It, they will go better for me. Does, that, does God have anything to do with it? He may or he may not. In, in some people, there are people who are self-aware who don't necessarily believe in God, okay? However... We're, we're taking this a step further because when I really do understand, hey, I'm a broken person living in a broken world, and the only way I can truly be self-aware thoroughly, and that means not just of whether or not I got barbecue sauce on my chin, 
But whether I got junk in my heart and in my life and in my mind, the only way I can be thoroughly aware of that is by saying, God, search me and help me to see it. Help me to know it. I can't do that without a relationship with God through Jesus. And that's why Jesus came. And we thank him for that. And we're going to pray and we're going to thank God for how he gives us that unique ability. When we ask and when we're willing and we're willing to be honest to come before Christ and be able to say, here I am, God, I'm broken. Please help me. Help me to see it and help me to change because of it. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your love and for the grace that you continue to bestow upon us when we're so undeserving. We thank you that you give us an ability to really have some thorough self-examination and to bring those shortcomings, those weaknesses, and those sins to you, God. And that you forgive us and you give us the ability to rise above it. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your forgiveness. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.